It is Monday, February the 1st, 2021. Edge and Bianca Belair are your Royal Rumble champions for this year. And you are listening to the Handsome Genius Club Radio Show. Guys, gals, and non-binary pals, welcome to the show. My name is Kingdom, Anthony Kingdom James, a.k.a. Anthony Recaser. Welcome aboard. Yes, last night, Royal Rumble. Um, only done about 45 minutes ago in real time here, as the cat circles me. <laughs> um, good show. Entertaining show. Um, I did a, uh, a watch-along, a live watch-along. On my Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash my name is Kingdom. Uh, come and join the fun. Enable alerts so you know when I go live impromptu to stream something silly for a few minutes. Um, yeah, uh, kind of a indie worker uh, and, and fan uh, discord that uh, did audio with me. And uh, a couple of times I had to get up to uh to excuse myself feed the cat use the bathroom get some water answer the door and they were able to uh hold it down for me um had a guest appearance via phone by shane saber and uh and brad myers and then uh near the end of the show john greed came into the discord chat which was cool come here oh can you hear her Sorry, I have to, every once in a while, the podcast has to take a quick five-second break while I scratch Chloe behind her ears. Um, so, <laughs> anyways, Royal Rumble winners, Edge and Bianca Belair, uh, very pleased for both, um, very eager to see what uh, what they'll do for WrestleMania. Uh, and, uh, and beyond. There you go. Uh, not going to take very long at all with this open. That's all I really wanted to say, um, because I want to get into our interview. Um, and I'm not going to do the thing I usually do where I double up on the information about the interview. Hey, wait five seconds and you'll find out. So (laughs) I'll tell you what, kids, let's hit the record scratch. And enjoy this episode of the Handsome Genius Club Radio Show. Um, yeah, check the show notes for more. And your Uncle Kingdom loves you. Bye. Hey, kids, welcome to another episode of the Handsome Genius Club Radio Show. I say that whenever I do an interview, but then I record an actual intro to the show. So I'm just doubling up for no good reason. Anyways. <laughs> Today You're on the show, tape. I know, I know, it's You're digital, valuable, expensive tape. It's digital, and I installed more memory yesterday. So, uh, my guest today is an author, a cartoonist, and a general rabble rouser. I say general. I we can get we'll get specific about his rabble rousing. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Handsome Genius Club, Mr. Aaron Reynolds. Hello, Aaron. Hi, thanks for having me uh, on a place that is so descriptive of exactly you know who i am well i you know it's like i like to tell people at conventions if you're smart enough to buy the merch you're smart enough to join the club 
There you go. <laughs> That's actually a really good sales pitch. I like that. Thank you. Well, you know, people people get, I don't know, shy or try to weasel out of buying something. And then, oh, I couldn't join that. No, buddy. 20 bucks, you're in. <laughs> <laughs> Did you hear that podcast, My Year in Mensa? One of no. my favorite things ever. It's like it's a comedian who decides she's going to take the standardized test to join Mensa. Yeah, and she thinks it's going to be a funny article that she's going to end up writing online because she failed a test to get into Mensa, but then she gets in, oh. and it's fucking awful. Like her whole experience is the most horrifying. It's great. It is a you. You just want to look for the podcast called My Year in Mensa. It's only four episodes. You know, it goes by real quick. It's worth every minute okay i'm sold i am absolutely sold uh, uh which is funny because just before i called you i was listening to today's new episode of dumb people town so <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a real thing yeah it's the sklar brothers and daniel van kirk and basically huh. they um they they take news articles that have been sent to them about idiots and uh uh they just you know they just tear them apart mystery science theater style it is it's a fantastic show dumb people town highly recommend all right very highly recommend yeah uh so right off the start right off the hop here we have the basic question first which is why effing birds Aaron, so, um, Aaron, for people, hold on, I gotta, cause I didn't, I didn't do this in the intro and that's my, my mistake. Aaron, Aaron <laughs> is the, uh, author and illustrator, the cartoonist, as my agent would say, of, uh, of effing birds, which you can find on, uh, Instagram and on Twitter and, and most notably, and we will talk about this, in hardbound printed paper books. Um, effing birds is, is a series of, beautifully done illustrations of various uh various birds with pithy sayings next to them like uh here i'll just read one right off the uh right off the the your your twitter here i'll give you ten dollars to shut the fuck up right now with there you go i want to say is that a blue jay is that a I, i'm not an ornithologist so <laughs> So I'm also not a birdologist. I'm not very good at identifying birds. Yeah. I have to always look at my notes. Uh, when people are like, is that a ring oozel? I'm like, uh, but you let me look in the book. Yeah. You yes, tell me, chief. 100%. 100%. That yeah. was a ring oozel. I don't even know if I'm saying the name of that right. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Why so F and Birds? F and Birds was, um, uh, it, it was an adaptation of a pitch to something else that was rejected. Mm. Um, I had been doing a swear trek on Twitter, which is me rewriting dialogue from uh, episodes of Star Trek and turning them into animated GIFs, but making them a lot swearier. Mm. Um, uh, my personal favorite one, although my favorite changes from day to day, but it's, it's, it's a scene where Mr. Scott is, um, he's, he's got a, like some kind of welding thing and he's, he's burning a hole in the wall. So oh, yes, yes. To this control panel, right? Yes, and I Spock, remember. Yeah. Spock comes up to him and in the episode, Spock's like asking him how long it's going to take. And Scotty looks at him, you know, kind of condescendingly and tells him it's, you know, if he cuts any faster, he's going to blow up, you know, the, the conduit or whatever, yeah. whatever he said in the show. But, but now 
Um, uh, Spock walks up to him and Scotty says, can't you see I'm cutting a fucking hole in the wall? <laughs> <laughs> and, and so anyway, that's like the, the, and how swear track started is a whole nother thing. But, um, that I'd been doing that for, I don't know, a year or so. And, uh, uh, I was contacted by a big media organization who was struggling with their social media comedy brand. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I was like super into like the history of the org and they had done some great stuff in the past, particularly with comedy. And, um, and they asked for some pitches to, you know, to, to, to really like to, to, for ideas for their social media. And I gave them a bunch of them. And one of them that they really hated was essentially effing birds, but with things that were relevant to their brand. And, a lot of things that I pitched them, they just said like, no, or, you know, asked for a, 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 some kind of variant or, or whatever else. But this one was just like met with just dead silence and disdain. And, and after the, 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 the pitch meeting, I was like, did I like, did I really misjudge how good an idea this is? Like, I thought this was a great idea. I thought this was the best idea I was to pitch them. And instead, uh, they, you know, they hated it. And then I was like, you know what? They are not very good at comedy on social media. And it turns out I am pretty good at it. Maybe I'm right and they're wrong. But then I was feeling a little bit, I was feeling a little bit like the principal of the Simpsons. You know, no, it's the children that are wrong. You know, I, I was feeling like that. Yes. And then, and then I thought, okay, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to do it. I'm going to do it for like two weeks. I'm going to take away anything relevant to their brand and replace it with something generic like uh, Burt's. And uh, we'll just see what I, what I, what my goal was, was to make a little bit of a stir, have maybe one of them go a little bit viral and come back to them at the next meeting and say, hey, look at how well this did. Uh, but it turns out in those two weeks, it became more popular than their entire brand. Wow. So, <laughs> like, well, I guess. I guess I'm not going to repitch this to them. I yeah. think I'm just going to keep this one for me. <laughs> At a and, certain uh, point, you just yell deuces and walk out of the room. Yeah, yeah exactly. I, you know, every once in a while, I email them because I have another good idea. But I think I feel like at this point, we're never going to do anything together, which is fine. Uh, because, <laughs> you know, I like, I mean, I love them and all, but it's, I don't think it's. <laughs> it, it wasn't it wasn't gonna work out because every time i had like a, an idea there was something about it that made it too edgy and like yeah. uh i feel like if we give you any example of it, it will be obvious right away who we're talking about okay but um uh let me see uh there was one where like i made like what i thought was the most innocuous canadian joke possible like just as a uh, cause they, I just like, I wrote them like a couple dozen just tweets that they could, they could tweet as, you know, you know, yeah. just jokes that would work on Twitter. And, and one of them was about, uh, it was, uh, it was around Groundhog Day and it was a joke about, uh, uh, Peter Mansbridge emerging from his cottage and seeing his shadow <laughs> and us having two more weeks of election coverage. And, and they were like, we're not allowed to make Peter Mansbridge jokes. I was like, wait, you're not allowed to make Peter oh, come on. Like, like that's a legit edict from inside of the organization. Uh. <laughs> what? what? Uh, no, but, but I'll tell you what, that makes per, st- that makes strange sense to me because I just, uh, 
month and a half ago, I or a month ago, I finished an illustration job for a uh, a, a Stone Cold Steve Austin book, and yep. one of I can show you the email. One of the edicts was, I'm not allowed to draw Vince McMahon. <laughs> really? Yeah. So he just doesn't want any depictions of himself. So you know, so those those samples. Those samples that I had like started the layouts I had done of uh, Austin hitting him in the head with a bedpan and uh, you know <laughs> Vince and Shane and the Rock in the ring getting soaked with beer, just 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 fucking chuck those. No oh, Vince, man. no Vince taking no a Vince stunner. Man. Yeah, wasn't allowed to draw oh. Vince. That's There's a really good Kyle Baker story about uh, drawing the. Adapt the official adaptation of the uh, Dick Tracy movie yeah. comic book, mm. where where he only managed to draw exactly one head of Dick Tracy that Warren Beatty liked as the appropriate <sighs> likeness of Warren Beatty as Dick Tracy, and so they ended up like photocopying it and flipping it and pasting it everywhere in the book. Holy shit! <laughs> what up man i love that story <laughs> so you uh so you, you you kept this for yourself yep and uh when when you say it was getting more play than you know the intended recipient uh how how were those first few effing birds being received what what kind of what what numbers were you getting on them well we ended up with in the first two weeks uh i was up over ten thousand followers like it just really struck a chord and part of that was the timing of it um it's funny i i have this conversation uh with effin birds is now like a small enterprise that has you know uh me plus three other people who work uh, regularly on it. I'm, wow. I'm, I'm, I'm the comic. And then, uh, there's a, a guy running the web store, a guy running, uh, wholesale and shipping and a guy, uh, running customer service for the web store. Jeez, and please. yeah, I know, right? It's, it's very weird to be in this situation where Ethan Birds has employees, uh, <laughs> a, re- a rejected pitch that now employs four people. <laughs> like, um, and, and, you know, we, we have this conversation about, um, January is always a slow sales month. And so January, it feels like you're doing something wrong every January mm-hmm. because December, November, December is great. And really like October, November, December was great for me for, for merchandise and book sales. And then January is like, you know, this, everything's down like 65 to 70% lower than, you know, than it was. Right. And you always like, you always just have to remind yourself it's, it's January. It's just January. Yeah. But part of the conversation that we have is like this fear of like, if everybody is feeling better about the world now, then has the, is, is the role of FM birds diminished or will that, will that impact the popularity of FM birds? Because FM birds is like, it's almost like primal screen therapy. You know? It's like it's, it's letting your frustrations fly. And the last four years, particularly in the United States, were incredibly frustrating to live through. 
Yeah. And so that definitely played a part in how quickly it grew. And so, you know, it's like, is, is it over now? <laughs> you know, mm. like, is our, is our run over? When and I, you know, and I don't think, I don't think it is. Well, I mean, yeah, I, have I to mean, be optimistic because it's my day job, but yeah. also, um, well, I mean, you've, you know, I mean, I you've it's... developed a, a huge following for this thing. You've got a, a quarter million followers on Twitter, almost that number again on Instagram. Well, um, one of the things that I love is uh, almost better than your followers are your haters. <laughs> <laughs> you oh, yeah, get, so you get. Uh, a metric crap ton of shitty comments and bad customer reviews from dullards who just don't get the joke. You don't get it. Yep. How do you deal with it? Well, first of all, um, <laughs> I enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but second of all, like I tend to like weaponize that. Um, every time that somebody says something particularly stupid is an opportunity for for everyone to laugh um and well let, let me put it this way every time there is a terrible amazon review yeah where somebody just doesn't get the joke i sell so many books <laughs> because all i do is i just put up a screenshot of the review and a link to the book yeah and like it's just like boom every time Tremendous. and yeah i'm actually gonna pull out here i have to go find my book here I actually i i have i have your Instagram story open and ready to go here. Oh my god, the Instagram story highlight called "Idiots." Yes, one? yes, it's my favorite. Idiots, so my favorite. that's fantastic. But, Donna, uh, I'm do gonna read you. Oh, go oh, ahead, Donna. Oh my god, Donna no, doesn't great. recommend effing birds. Disappear from Facebook. A disgrace to every bird out there. Idiots. Yeah. I love Donna. Yeah. She hated the F and Birds Facebook page. Yeah. Um, there and actually were a bunch of people who started commenting on Facebook uh, who were upset that people were sharing F and Birds into their timeline oh. and they wanted F and Birds to be gone. And I was like, you know what? You got to blame your, your, your friends. You know, your yeah. friends did this to you, not me. Um, I'm, I'm going to read you the very first negative F and Birds review. Please. Uh, which is, my favorite thing ever and it was so good and it came at such a perfect moment because this was tweeted at me uh right when we were finalizing the cover for the fm birds book and uh it is the idea of combining a pick of a bird with some lazy half obscenity is really something that would barely amuse elementary school kids very sad and contrived <laughs> and that was from Former editor of The Walrus, Jonathan Kay. Oh my God! What? <laughs> it's because it's because he was in a he was having a Twitter spat with Tabitha Safi, and she tweeted the effing bird that's an awk that's saying, "Can you fuck off and never unfuck off?" She tweeted <laughs> that at him, and then this was his reply. <laughs> So he and, he researched and decided to fucking drag you into it. Well, no, I think I was, I don't know if I was tagged or she had quote tweeted the F, I don't know, anyways. But anyways, once I saw it, I immediately replied, um, uh, my editor would love to know if we can use this review quote in marketing the book. 
And he replied, I guess, question mark, which I took as a yes. And uh, now it's on the back cover of the FM Birds book. Um, now, I I love that it's so on the back cover of the UK book, because I got a UK book deal before I got a North American book deal. Uh, so naturally. the UK version of it, yeah, you know, like, you know what I got last? Canadian book deal. Because that's how we work in Canada. Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, um, do Americans like it? Uh, I'm sure we could make a dollar off of it then. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly it, right? That's our country, money in America. Our country is so ass backwards. Uh, you know, we don't we don't love things that are Canadian unless other people love the things that are Canadian. That's yeah, and we love them and are proud of them. Yeah, if we uh, if we lift if we lift something up, we're showing some kind of some kind of hubris, some kind of uh, pride, and pride is a sin. Yeah, pride's <laughs> the worst. Um, yeah, so so we put that Jonathan K quote on the back of the UK edition. Yeah, and then we got as we were prepping the American edition, we got a really lovely review quote and oh. uh, like a nice, a positive quote that. And we, you know, what the UK one has a really nice positive quote on the back from Chuck Wendig, who I very much love and respect. Okay, um, but but we got a review quote that my delightful American editor was just like, oh, I'm going to put this above Jonathan Kay's quote on the back of a book. And I was like, that's right, you are. This is great. So I'm going to read you that review quote. It says, Please. Uh, this, this book can hide in plain sight on your coffee table, simultaneously impressing your parents with your knowledge of avian breeds and offending them with your love of profanity. Jody Sweeten of Full House and Fuller House. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I was like, I was like, Kelly, you want to put Jody Sweeten's review quote about Jonathan Kay on the back of the book? Wow. Like, yes. I was like, oh, yeah, I really like that a lot. That's, that's, a, that's an extra I'm, stab. <laughs> yep. I was really, really proud of that. Oh. Uh, um, yeah. So that, that idiot's uh, story highlight, um, there's one from a lady named Ginger who talks about um, reading it to her kids. Yeah, and everybody's question is like, how, how, why did you oh, read? Here it is. Here it is. Yeah, uh, yeah, Ginger, yeah. entitled in all caps, not funny, just highly offensive. Yeah. Boy, what a great education in reading this awful book to your children. There are beautiful books out there about birds, and this is not one of this them. This is not one of them. <laughs> uh, how far into the book did she get reading that book to her kids? Yeah. <laughs> what, uh, like, it literally says eat farts on the cover of the book. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I, I It was the same experience she had when she read Dr. Seuss's Go Fuck Yourself to her kids. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, it's, uh, how, uh, yeah. <laughs> but it's like, it's, it's about expectations, right? And it's about what your expectations are for yeah. something. Yeah. And people just have the weirdest expectations of F and birds. There are people who are really upset that, uh, I don't identify birds, like by what kind of bird they are. Oh. And there are people who are upset that I don't make jokes about the specific behaviors of those birds. Oh. And how I'm fucking not, niche like, can you get? Yeah. Well, so I, and so what's really funny is like, uh, you're, ex- so you're I exploiting remember, the birds. I know I am. Well, there's this one person who says birds aren't like this. And it's like, I think that birds are, birds are mostly pieces of shit. Um, but, um, the, the, there's a, uh, I went to see the movie Finding Nemo yeah. when it came out a long time ago. 
uh, with some friends of mine who were avid, avid scuba divers and who were like really into fish and understood a lot about fish. Mm-hmm. And they laughed at a lot of jokes that I didn't get that were about fish behavior. <laughs> and the thing was, those jokes were in there, not as the main joke. Yeah. They were in there as a nice little bonus for the person who loves fish. Yeah. You know, and that's the kind of stuff that I love. It's like the fan service in, um, well, in like any, yeah, any long running franchise. If you do it right, it's there as a little hat tip to the people who love this franchise and it's not going to spoil the experience of anyone else for not getting it. Um, the, the James Bond movie Spectre, which I ultimately do not love, but I love the way that it treats fan service mm-hmm. because they give him the same watch band that Sean Connery wears in Goldfinger on his watch. He does a specific fight move that was favored by the Bond fight choreographer for the 60s and 70s and appeared in like a dozen James Bond films, but not in any other kind of movie because it's such a weird fight movie. Yeah. Uh, they, they use John Glenn's running gag. John Glenn directed more James Bond movies than anybody else. And he had this one running gag that was in every single one of his movies. And so they put it into Spectre. And it's not, you know, it, it, it there are all these tiny little things that do not detract from your, experience of watching the movie but if you if, if you spot them into what they are yeah. it's a beautiful little gag yeah well they, they they end up their safe house is is a an antiques place called hildebrandt rarity and the hildebrandt rarity is the title of the one james bond short story that hasn't had its at least its name adapted into the title of a james bond film because it's such an awkward title right you know, but it's like, hey, Hildebrandt Rarity finally gets its chance to be on screen. You know? <laughs> so now, where do you where do you source the birds for each day's filth? <laughs> oh man, like I so if you I don't if you don't a... know birds if you're if you don't know birds yourself where where do you where do you find your source material? Um, uh, I am a big fan of. Thomas Buick's History of British Birds, okay, <laughs> which is a gigantic set of, um, you know, John, John James Audubon's Birds of America? It's the British version of that. Okay. So Audubon tried to paint every bird in the United States. Yeah. And uh, Buick tried to do woodcuts of every bird in, uh, in Great Britain. And I think he succeeded because there's two volumes plus 10 years later an addendum that they oh added where he where he found the other birds that he missed and um uh, his work is extraordinary and he uh uh he's also a very grumpy man uh, which i appreciate uh <laughs> you can read you can read the books and he rails against aspects of modern life like electricity <laughs> <laughs> you know <laughs> so, he hates he hates the modern world so much, oh. and I was like, "Oh man, I love you." You're like every older person on Twitter today. Yes, different, and I don't like it. And so <laughs> I, I, I both enjoy the beautiful illustrations and also uh, his writing. <laughs> oh man, how uh, how much of your day is spent drawing each bird? 
I kind of like, I, I work on effing birds every three or four days Mm -hmm. and I try to knock out a bunch of stuff and every drawing gets used multiple times. Okay. Don't tell anybody that, but like you, you son of a bitch. You're cheating me out of of birds. I know. Right. There are a lot of days of me just selecting, selecting from my list of things that I wrote down all week long. Yeah. That made me angry or upset or have some kind of extreme emotional response. Yeah. You know, I have this, this note on my phone and sometimes it's just like, okay, what goes with that today? Uh, oh yeah, that's definitely, that definitely is a little, it's a little challenge that, you know, that. And then, and then you pick a, then you pick a picture of a bird and you flip it and you resize it like Kyle Baker working on Warren Beatty. (laughs) Literally, literally a thing I do. Um, one of the things that happens is when there's a new bird drawing, um, I use it at least twice right off the bat. Okay. (laughs) One, one time. One time as as drawn, one time flipped and changed in size and position. Like that's gonna <laughs> that's gonna happen immediately on on writing day. And so, um, and and what's funny is like I I have to not get in a log jam where people will notice that the birds are coming up, uh, in a repeat. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, because I I put everything into a queue, um, and. And let them post. Although I do, I, I get arms deep in the queue when things are happening in the news and stuff like that. When there's a, when there are bigger stories and people are having like common uh, reactions to them, I try to like, I try to dial into that. And so I end up, you know, diving into the queue and seeing what's coming up that that fits that fits the emotional tone of social media today. You know? Yeah. And uh, I try to push that to the front. Um, but. Um, what'll happen is I, when I schedule something, I schedule it in the, the one queue that, that comes up uh, fast. And then I schedule it in another queue that's going to rerun it in about four months. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, I'm, uh, I looked at it the other day and if I, if I were to die today, effing birds would post for more than six months. Holy shit. Yeah. Now part of that is like the, the rerun schedule is really, is, is really fairly deep. So what yeah. happens is, uh, like on Twitter, Evan Birds posts three times a day. It posts something that's new that nobody's seen before. Mm-hmm. It posts something from about four months ago and it posts something from about a year ago. Okay. Wow. And so, you know, that's, and the thing is the ones that are from a year ago, first of all, most of my growth has happened in the last year. And so, a lot of people didn't see it, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. and, and Twitter is so, and social media in general is so transitory that nobody sees everything, right? It's right. all algorithmic. And so you don't, there's no completionism there, you know, you don't see all the stuff. And so, uh, it, it, it goes by. And so most people don't notice the reruns. In <laughs> fact, uh, most people don't notice if I do, um, uh, sometimes I go into reruns, like all reruns for, for a few weeks if it's time for me to take a vacation or something like that. Yeah. And people don't, don't notice. If I don't tell people I've gone into reruns, nobody knows. <laughs> it's tremendous. And I've actually, uh, you're, you are 
for me anyway, ridiculously savvy about uh, social media. And I've, I've, I've come to you for some advice before. And it, it is, like, I mean, all respect to you for being able to uh, to figure the game out and play it because I'm just I'm just un, I'm personally unable to maintain it. Uh, part of that is you know sleeping all day uh, <laughs> during prime <laughs> posting times. Dude, but scheduling, scheduling, scheduling—it's yeah. what it's all about. Then you don't have to be there. You don't have to be there. You don't have to be awake. Although you do want to show up at some point and answer the question. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I actually do have—I do have something that I've been kicking around for a while. That after we're done, I want to talk to you about because I know—I know you're the kind of guy. You know, like I'm—I'm I'm willing to hire you because I know you're the kind of guy who <laughs> will make make the idea better and help me actually. Bring it to fruition instead of just yapping about it. Um, but, uh, you know, one, one of the things that I, I I love about this is that you you had an idea and you've built it. And now you are about to release your third book, a a, uh, a book of 100 postcards, if I'm not mistaken. This one? So this one's the second book. What's so it's a funny. It's a funny you don't think you don't think the uh, you don't you don't think the the diary counts as a book? No, I don't think it does. Do you okay. think it does? All right. well, I, I think it's well. Okay. So book. here's what. <laughs> <laughs> it's a type of book. I guess. So so it was the 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 Effenberg Field Guide came out. Yeah. Uh, which is uh, uh, a collection of uh, some of the best stuff that I, I wrote originally with cartoons and then expanded out with um, uh, like spotting guide information. So you can, uh, it looks like it's describing the habitats and behaviors of birds, but it's actually describing the habitats and behaviors of people that have made my life difficult over the years. <laughs> um, my, my annual review at my old job is in here actually. Nice. Um, it's great. It's fun to find people that I used to work with and have them say, Hey, you know that bird on page 80? Is that about our old boss? And to be able to say, uh, oh, you know, I'm glad you noticed. Because, <laughs> um, so the Effenbridge Field Guide came out, and then um, it was adapted into a wall calendar and a planner yeah. uh, by Andrew Smith-Neal. So essentially that planner, the, like the, the weekly, monthly planner book, Mm-hmm. is the same content as the field guide. Okay. Does that make sense? Yes. So it's like, it's the same thing and in a different shape. And the same with that original 12-month calendar. It's it's uh, the material from the book that's on your wall instead of in a book. Right. Um, so, but then, this fall, my UK publisher keeps calling it summer 2021. Yeah. But summer has a different meaning in the United Kingdom. <laughs> And, and turns out late September is summer for them. Yeah. So, so I I like to say fall because if it's going to be like the first week of October, that to me is not. The no, that ain't but, summer. Uh, well, you know it's British summer. Yeah. So, um, the, that is a book of a hundred postcards it's called Greetings from Effenbirds, and it's all new material. Um, and then here's a so here's a COVID story. Mm. Um. Printing is difficult right now because of COVID. Uh, uh, publishing is being hit really hard with uh, delays at printing facilities, but also with shipping and trying to move books around. 
Uh, I know multiple Kickstarters who got totally screwed by the log jam in, at a port in California where all these books that were printed and imported into the United States are all sitting on a dock that nobody can, like, they're just not cleared. They're just sitting there and they can't get to them, um, for months now, uh, which has been like a a disaster. But anyways, it's, it's been tough like that for every industry, like so much so that the 2022 FM Burr's calendar, I approved it like two weeks ago because they needed it. They needed to get it to the printer now if they wanted to have it for, for sale for October. Oh. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's rough because it's January. Yeah. Um, so anyways, uh, when we, we figured out this postcard book and we got our release date and we went to my American publisher to talk about it and they wanted to do it, but it looked like they weren't going to be able to match the release date. And there was talk about, you know, pushing the date back by, by six months, but we didn't really want to do that. Mm-hmm. And so the American publisher's concern was that, well, then, you know, everybody who wants this book of postcards will buy the UK version, you know, because that's the joy of the, of the modern world is you can order it from overseas and have it shipped. You know, yeah. It's not, it's not, it's not a stopper. And so, um, we ended up having a conversation about it. And what we did was decide to, uh, have the American edition of it be something totally different. Oh. And so uh, instead of this two-book deal that I had, I ended up with an accidental three-book deal, <laughs> <laughs> where for 2022, for probably fall 2022, uh, there'll be a lovely Effenberg's coloring book. And so uh, we're going to do the Book of 100 postcards, and then sometime about a year after that, uh, really nice. Oh, very nice. Yeah, but you've, yeah. you 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 you've spread out. You've very much taken advantage of the idea of merch. I mean, books and postcards oh, yeah. and coffee mugs and playing cards and pins and stickers and T-shirts. Uh, I mean, uh, one effing birds is your full-time gig now. I assume it is. Okay, and two, are you my richest friend? <laughs> I. You know, probably not. No, you're not. You're you're, I, you're not. But I really wanted to get the pop out of asking you that question. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I I don't have any debt anymore, which is awesome. Oh, what's uh, that like? like? I know, right? Like, I'm still not. The other day, I was like, I want to buy these records. And I was like, well, what's stopping me from buying these records? <laughs> Literally, nothing is stopping me from buying these records. Why don't you buy that Tom oh. Landry hat, Homer? Yeah, exactly. Only rich guys like me can buy hats like that. I'm a guy <laughs> like me. <laughs> oh man! I have yeah, seen you. So. I have seen you walk around a comic convention with a big fucking armload of original art. So <laughs> I have done that. This Just walking true. around. Oh, I'll take one of these and two of those. So I know you ain't hurting, and I'm fucking I'm jealous. It's 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 been really that that has been particularly great and like I love comic book art. Yeah. So I mean that that to me that that's the real uh, enviable thing about it to me is the um the the knowledge that you've made a success of something that came out of your own head. To the point where you can just walk around and at a comic convention and 
not worry about, oh, yeah, I need to buy a fucking Metro Pass tomorrow. You can indulge yeah. in the things that you that you like. That's isn't that the point of any of it? <laughs> that, is, that is kind of the, the point of all of these things. And um, I, that particular show <laughs> where I got all where I, I, I probably ended up with too much art. Yeah, let's be really honest here, <laughs> um, because some of it has not yet found its way to my wall. And that was over a year ago. No, oh, yeah. Um, but part of it was um, that show was the first. No, it wasn't the first time, but it was one of the first times that I had a huge success with a table at a comic con. Yeah. Um, I've always done well, but for that show in Toronto, because the Eckenbridge Warehouse is in Ottawa, and Ryan, who's my warehouse guy, was going to come help me with the table in Toronto, he brought literally everything mm. with him. And so we had this like functionally unlimited well of, of stuff to sell. Yeah. And then we just kept selling it. Um, I had what I thought was absurdly too many books yeah. and I did not leave with any books. That's amazing. It was, dude. It was a great show. Uh, and so that was like, well, I'm not going to take all this money home with me. I'm going to just, hide some of it from the government in the form of art. <laughs> <laughs> tremendous. Absolutely yeah, tremendous. But, you know, that was that was a really good show and I was really I'm really sad that there aren't shows right now because like uh like thinking of how I don't like how how do you do at a Comic Con on a weekend? Like it's uh. like it de- you know it depends because I'm also you know for the most part I'm I'm a writer, um yeah. who like I mean I, <laughs> you know I'm like I'm like so I'm like some kind of uh, uh when it comes to drawing I'm 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 largely a feral animal who wants to you know drag <laughs> meat I want to drag meat back to my cave so nobody can see me consume it I don't okay I don't draw a lot in public and I. I mean, if you've seen the stuff that I draw, I know you have. You've seen the stuff. I, I, I work digitally off of a lot of photos. Like, I draw over top of photos and combine mm-hmm. things and recreate things and adjust things and then stick in my, uh, my sarcastic bullshit word balloons, right? That's how I do my yeah. comic strips. So yeah, I yeah. don't, I don't draw a lot at shows and I don't have a lot of, product that i've drawn i only have one little book of comic strips that the stuff i've drawn um so you know like part of my sales pitch has to be about uh vol- you know the first hero volume one was drawn by philip seavey who's gone on to do tomb raider and this and that and volume two and you know danny's a ball and he's right down the- i have to talk about my artist like carlos granda um yeah. So, you know, eh, I do, I do. I think that, I do and okay. you know what? I think that that's, I can, I, I feel like what I want to do now is when shows come back, I want to be at a table beside you and I'm going to coach you through like how to sell all your shit really fast at a comic con. Okay. Which is, I mean, let, let's put it like this. I have, uh, I have a sales pattern that, yeah. 
that does pretty well. And there are people who have been beside me who I have helped and and uh, help them increase their sales. So to to know that there's somebody another step or two above me who would <laughs> who is going to help me that is that's fucking fantastic. I, well, yeah, I I'm I not upset by like, that at all. <laughs> there's I think that there's sometimes a certain amount of like jealousy about like the uh uh about like sales at a at a show or oh, something shit, like that but no. like there's there's no like it's not a thing where there's a very small amount of money to be made at yeah. one of those shows. There's a lot of money floating around those shows and there are a lot of people who will like what you have done mm-hmm. just based on the sheer number of people there. If a very small percentage of them like what you're doing, that's a huge number of people who are in that building who like what you're doing. Yeah. You know? And so like, you just have to figure out how you identify them and how you don't, um, talk your own self down. You know what I mean? Like you have to like, um, and I, it's very Canadian of me. Like I don't like, singing my own praises mm-hmm. uh for a long time one line of my bio was uh and he hates writing about himself in the third person that's how <laughs> i always ended my bio um but like it's so important to find a way to get past that discomfort yeah. of like of being proud of what you did Oh, dude! You know? I, listen, I've been I've been in professional wrestling for thirty years. All I do is <laughs> all Kingdom James does is talk about himself in the third person. <laughs> See, I, you you got to bring that. You bring the wrestling. Bring the wrestling oh, I absolutely the, do. I absolutely do. My favorite thing. I love more than selling my comics at a show. I love selling shirts. I love selling yep. shirts at a show, and. For me, it's it's uh, it, it feels a little easier because I just cut promo on people. It's like you're walking by, and whatever shirt you're wearing, uh, I'm gonna, you know, it's either it's either hey, that's a that's an amazing shirt you're wearing. Where did you get that? Well, you have today's shirt handled. Let's talk about tomorrow's t-shirt. Tomorrow's shirt. <laughs> either that, either that, or either that, or you know, like with a group of people, it'll be like. Why are you letting your friend walk around looking like this? Let's get him into a t-shirt that won't embarrass you. That's fair. That's yeah. Fair. I, I, I the other thing I, I I always say I always say hey they're not even t-shirts we're talking about fine apparel. <laughs> I love selling no, I, shirts. <laughs> uh, I, so I've been thinking about and honestly I've been thinking about this experience for. Uh, over a year now uh, mm. because one of the last shows I did before all of everything shut down uh, was Central Florida Comic Con oh my in Lakeland okay and so I mean first of all I was just happy to be invited <laughs> <laughs> like anything it's like you are you uh, there was somebody who uh, they were like hey will you come to you know Celebrity Fan Fest in San Antonio and I was like I mean I'm gonna go anywhere that somebody asked me to come and like sell my shit at to a new audience like of course i'm gonna come you know like uh, but but lakeland was was really interesting and the 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 night before the con there was a local wrestling match Mm -hmm. in the same venue that was put on by the same promoters that put on the comic con so they're like oh you know come out to the not to the the wrestling match too And, and so i went and 
uh, local Florida wrestling is something else. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I think the thing that made me saddest was that all of the, the, the wrestlers who I enjoyed that, the, that night the most had the most terrible merch at their, at their table afterwards. And it's like, I just, I want to give you my money because yeah. of how much I appreciated your show, but your shirt has a web graphic that's all blocky and that I can see the JPEG compression on it in the printing and I can't buy it from you. It's killing me to not be able to buy it. Yeah. Uh, and that was the, Oh my God. The one guy, my absolutely favorite wrestler of the evening who was definitely, uh, okay. So name names, name you can was, name names. Yeah. A lot name of, a lot the of mil- the millennial, was his name oh no i don't know he had he had a man bun he had a cardigan as part of his outfit oh shit he had a latte in his hand constantly throughout the match including at one point when he took a swig of it and spat it in his opponent's face which was (laughs) amazing because the ref was always trying to get him to put down a cup of coffee okay and uh, finally, every time he went up on the ropes, you know, to, to do a move, he took out his phone and took a picture of himself. <laughs> and it was the best hissable stick I have seen in forever. It was like everything. Oh, and he constantly complained that he should have been winning the match and that the referees were against him. You know what? I think I know who this. I think this is Damian Sandow. I think this is Aaron uh, Aaron Stevens, who was he was in the WWE for a while as Damian Sandow. I know that he was doing a gimmick uh, for a while as the Millennial Slayer. I wonder if that's him. Oh, I wonder if be. that's him. But I know who to ask because uh, put on the show or. Hilarious. Um, <laughs> if, you, if you find uh, Ben Ben Penrod on Twitter, he's the uh, he's the guy that uh, I connected with that got me into that show and who uh, also put on the, the yeah. I, and I'll tell you what I've been saying this for a while now, and I I, I need to I, I I guess I need to uh to to put out some some bigger books, but I'm offended that there are comic conventions going on or or were going on around North America that weren't booking me for the dual role of comic guest slash wrestler. I mean, if right? you're going to have a wrestling show at a comic convention and you're not going to have people, <laughs> you're going to have the few people in the, that, that span both industries at your show. What are what? Exactly it. Why are you missing out? (laughs) The same same promoter uh, put on uh, Alaska Comic Con, which was a blast. And that was actually the last show I did before everything shut down. Um, And that was uh, like, that was in Fairbanks, Mm -hmm. uh, Alaska, which is relatively small. And they had never had a Comic Con before. And the place was just it was jumping yeah uh, the town was very very excited to have a comic-con and uh it was great to we hung out with a lot of really cool people and uh, my table was right by a power ranger which was great 
which which color Power Ranger? I don't know what color is green. Aw- was awesome, it green? Awesome Saint John is that his name? Does that sound right? Uh, name. Maybe I'm not a Power Ranger person, but there is there's one Power Ranger that I had an incident with at Fan Expo many years ago, and but there mm-hmm. were there were too many witnesses to slap him. <laughs> yeah, Austin St. John. I googled him. That's the guy. Okay, I don't he was uh, Jason Lee Scott in the Power Rangers franchise. What color Power Ranger is that? Come on, come on, Wikipedia. Where's the tab for what color Power Ranger he is? All right. Anyways, um, anyways, I think the best part of it was like the the the, the handlers at the show, like the people who were like uh, helping out and you know watching my table and all those fun things. Yeah. Uh, they're like, all right, we're taking off. We're gonna we're gonna drink with the Power Ranger now. <laughs> Austin St. John oh, was the Red Power Ranger, by the way, according to Google. There you go. Right. Yeah, so the Red Ranger, everybody everybody went drinking with him on the Saturday night. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, all right. Oh, uh, before we wrap this up, because I can't keep you here forever. Um, tell us about the text service that you've started for Evan oh, Birds. You- God damn, yes. I should have I should have brought that up on my own. Ah, that's what um, I'm Yeah, so I, social media is very tricky. Uh, the, the thing about being on other people's platforms is you are sort of at their mercy mm-hmm. for all kinds of things, you know? And uh, one of the things that happened to me very recently uh, was that uh, my Instagram posts started getting pushed way down in the algorithm because uh, they asked me to verify my identity because they were concerned about uh, people trying to influence the American election. Oh, Jesus H. Yeah. And, well, <laughs> yeah, but, but yes, they with, were trying to, they were, with bird yeah. cartoons, <laughs> but here's the thing. <laughs> you know. And the algorithm can the algorithm to tell the difference between a terrible meme yeah. uh, about election disinformation yeah. or or a bird cartoon? True. It yeah. can't. And the thing that they could tell uh, was that I was not in the United States but had a big audience in the United States. Ah, uh, okay. Right? Okay. And that that audience was very reactive. They commented a lot. They had like a lot. And as a result, I got flagged as uh, – uh, election interference and uh i was uh barred from the explore page for uh, it was about two months wow i'm finally getting back there now um and uh i was algorithmically like way down my posts were getting maybe 20 percent of the traction that they got wow. uh, the rest of the year um and and notably only 20 percent of the traction that they were getting on all their social media platforms mm-hmm. and the thing is like that is their they are allowed to do that. Yeah. I'm not angry at them for doing that. They were trying to solve a problem that they did have. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, you know, and so I just was, you know, a, a casualty of it. And it made me, I was already conscious of it, but it made me a lot more conscious that even though I'm on multiple platforms, there are not that many people who own these platforms. They all have the same kinds of problems. Mm-hmm. And at some point, more than one of them may find me undesirable. And at that point I'm going to be like gone, right? right? You know, or my business model will be gone, which mm-hmm. will be a problem because what happens right now is I, 
I give away three free cartoons in a day. And then sometimes people buy the cartoons on a mug or a t-shirt, you know, and then profit. Mm -hmm. Um, so the, the thing was, um, I got to thinking about like David Bowie in the early 2000s when he started doing the Bowie bond, you know what the Bowie bond? No. What album was that for? Was that for hours? I forget what album it was for. Anyways, he, he had, seen the signs that his record label wasn't as interested in releasing his albums. And so he worked really hard on building his own fan club, mm-hmm. building his direct connection to fans, uh, email mailing lists, you know, uh, direct mail mailing lists. And then when he was ready to record an album, he basically got people to pre-order it. Yeah. You know, and now that's what we do all the time with pledge music and Kickstarter and all kinds of stuff like that. But like, he was smart enough to know that at some point the existing distribution for what he does would dry up and he would need a, another way to do it. And he was smart enough to use the internet to, to organize that and build a really big fan club and like, and whatever. And I mean, I'm not David Bowie, <laughs> but um, I did take that lesson to heart and I started looking at platforms that were more direct. And I mean, a lot of people do mailing lists these days, but one of the challenges with mailing lists, is that even me who's interested in receiving these emails, I don't open half of them, Yeah, you know, and I, and I want them, you know? And so, um, I got talking to, um, Matt, the guy who does, uh, uh, we rate dogs and he's using, uh, he was using a text message service. He got people to sign up for it and then he just texts them like once a day mm-hmm. and he has a direct line to the fan base. And it was so simple and so brilliant. And I ended up looking at the platform that he was using for it. And I, I signed up for the same one. And so now there's a phone number that you can text. And if you text it, it'll ask you to opt in. And then about once-ish a day, you will get an effing bird in your text messages. That's um, and then about once-ish a month, the part that pays the bills is around once a month, I remind people of something that exists in the store or a book pre-order deadline or whatever else, right. you know? And so, uh, but I'm trying to keep that to about once a month just cause I, like, I feel like that's the right ratio. Like I want this to be a service that people enjoy. And then every once in a while I remind you of something not unrelated. That's not spam. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's not, not unrelated. It's that, um, the next one is going to come out. It's going to be reminding everybody that February 7th is the last day to pre-order the Effenbird's postcard book if you want your name in the back in a special thanks. Ah. You know, so that'll be like around the fifth. I'm going to be, I'm going to run that one. And then that'll be my, my one commercial ish post for the next 30 days or so on it. But anyways, there is a number and you can text it. It is even a Toronto number. Are you ready? For, are you ready for the number? Oh, I, if you didn't, well, if you didn't know it by heart, I have it right here in front of me. So. <laughs> no, I, I opened the app on my phone because I don't know. I don't know my own phone number. That's the kind of guy I am. All right. So uh, if it, you want effing birds in your text messages every day, send a message to 647-424-3381. All right. And uh, uh, I'll put sure that in the show Make sure you get it right because, 
Oh, thank you. There's also a uh, a Nordstrom whose phone number is one digit off of that. <laughs> and unfortunately, this poor Nordstrom has been getting a lot of text messages meant for FM birds. And I don't know if you've experienced what happens with some uh, phone carriers if you text a landline. Do you know what happens? Yes, I do. I do. What happens? Uh, I have gotten... Uh, I've gotten a, a a bounce back that's told me it can't it can't happen. I've I know that uh, I've gotten uh, a a message in response that's told me like you know fifteen cents or something, but I've also had uh, messages that like a computer it phones you at all hours of the night and and uh, reads you the message. Yep. Yeah. So imagine you're working at a Nordstrom. And the phone rings, and you answer it, and it's a series of robot voice reading a bunch of curse words because that's what the person texted to the number to try to sign up for Effenbird. Um, <laughs> that's what's happening to this poor Nordstrom somewhere in Toronto. So, don't call the Nordstrom, please call me. <laughs> yeah, we. I will definitely include the number in uh in the show notes for this episode. So that we can uh, we can avoid bothering the perfume counter at Nordstrom's. So. Yeah, that would be great. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, like I said, I've got a thing I want to talk to you about. But um, I mean, I think we're at about the hour mark. I should I, I should release you back into the wild, my friend. So right, yeah, uh, I have to go feed some children some dinner. <laughs> so other than the uh, other than the text service. Uh, where can people find you online? Uh, you can find me at F and birds on almost every platform. Like I'm not on any of the white supremacist platforms, but other than that, I'm out there. Uh, so, you know, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, arguably the white supremacist platform, um, <laughs> Tumblr, uh, Tumblr, LinkedIn. I joined LinkedIn. Oh. Um, that, that, because, that must feel like a personal defeat. Oh, no. I, it's trolling of the hugest degree because <laughs> people people hit like or they comment on it, and then somebody else comments like, what are you this? this is unprofessional material. Why is this on my dick? <laughs> you know, it's just like people get in trouble with their boss. It delights me every single day. I just create chaos wherever I go. Very nice. That's how I, that's how I roll. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, on all those things, uh, you can go to fmbirds.com to see the store where there's like mugs and shirts and, um, uh, flip flops <laughs> and a giant beach towel that says eat farts. It's one of my favorite things I've ever made. Excellent. Aaron Reynolds, thank you for joining us today on the Handsome Genius Club radio show. Oh, thank you for having me.